0: I'm Miles Ehrlich here today with Owen Pence. We've shouldered aside Aryeh and Rachel for a special edition of the Windsider Show where it's all about the W. Today, we talk to multimedia superstar Jordan Liggins. So please consider joining our Patreon community at Patreon.com/WinSider. For less than a cup of coffee a month, you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the W. And don't forget to see our amazing staff's written content, uh, content over on WinSider.com. If you're looking to get tickets for the WNBA Finals, thanks to our sponsor pick you don't have to worry—the original no-fee ticket site and official ticketing con- partner of the WNBA champion Chicago Sky. Although they're not repeating this year. Uh, use the link www.tickpick.com slash uh, Winsider for all your upcoming ticket purchases for the WNBA and more sporting events.
1: Well, Miles and I are extremely excited uh, to have one of our favorite WNBA reporters on the show today, the one and only Jordan Liggins. Um, we're both huge fans of Jordan's and could go on forever raving about our work. But in the interest of time, I'm just going to read this fantastic bio that was presented to us. Respected for her reporting on women's sports, Jordan Liggins is the host of The Buckets Five, the series that celebrates the WNBA on the Wave Sports and Entertainment Buckets channels. As a black woman covering sports, Jordan is keenly aware that more often than not, no one else in the press room looks like her. Proud of her blackness and frequently sporting her natural curls, she wards off negative vibes with her infectious positivity and commands respect. She's been published in GQ, Essence, The Ringer, and more. She hosts Take It From L.A., the latest series from Jordan Basketball, where she talks about how fashion, culture, and basketball make the city so great. And as if all that wasn't enough, she also co-hosts the weekly podcast Spinsters with Haley O'Shaughnessy on the Blue Wire Network. Jordan, officially, welcome to the show. How are you?
2: I'm great. Wow. Thank you so much. What an intro.
1: We're just, we got we to yeah. roll off the red carpet. All right? I mean, right. It's, <laughs> it's so
0: We're just both super, super excited to talk to you. And we just have so much W stuff to talk about. So it's really a perfect time. Yes. We want to get into some of the amazing stuff that you're doing in a little bit. But first we have to talk about what went down on Thursday night. Uh, tied at the half. Chicago Ooh. goes up double digits after the third goes ice cold. Connecticut rattles off 18 straight to end the game, and another year goes by without a repeat champ. What What are you thinking as you're watching that game about the Suns' chances midway through the fourth quarter?
2: I was thinking there's no way Chicago is going to give this up, right? Like, that's what I kept saying out loud over and over. I'm like, there's no way. There's no way. And Connecticut sun made a way they forced their way into the finals, just like the Connecticut sun always do. They're going to make a way out of no way. Um, I didn't, I had Connecticut in the finals, but I think Lexi Brown tweeted, we were talking about it, you know, a couple weeks ago, we both had Connecticut in the finals, but we're both shocked that it happened this way because it felt like Chicago had that game in the bag. Um, And I don't even know. I think there needs to be a word beyond ice cold because zero points for almost five minutes is unheard of until the last time that they did it against the New York (laughs) Liberty. So I I don't even know what this term is. I don't know if it's going to be called like Chicago Skying or something, but it's, it's too much. I don't even know what to do with that information of laying a goose egg in prime time in a closeout game.
0: Yeah, it was, like you said, it was like the first game of the postseason when they went, I think that was three and a half minutes or something like that where the Liberty rattled off however mm-hmm. many they had to to come back late in that game. Um, but for a team that is just so cohesive offensively, it's weird, and, and as a champion with that experience, it's weird to see them get tight in that moment. And that's what we were seeing last night. It felt like, especially from vets like, like Sloot and Quigley and and even mm-hmm. Candace didn't have her strongest game
2: yeah I was uh I don't know what was up with Quigley kind of the whole series she she wasn't really there and then Sloot was also out of character I think she was just making not the best passes or decisions like you know literally like the one where she tried to throw the pass to Emma Mieseman and it hits the backboard you're like whoa what is this the Courtney Vander Sleuth that we idolize and know? Um, So it was just some questionable decisions. And just like in that first game of the postseason between New York and Chicago, where Marine Johannes throws that incredible pass and it feels like the sky just froze up. And that was the last, you know, they didn't score after that in Thursday's game. It was the same thing with the kerfuffle down under the basket between Kalia Copper and Duana Bonner and James Wade running behind the basket. <laughs> All of that happened and Chicago didn't score after that. So it's like some of these moments where, you know, you kind of have to absorb the hit and keep fighting and keep going. Chicago froze up. And so we just saw it again on kind of a really big stage where they had a chance to not only beat this Connecticut team, but, try to get a repeat we haven't seen it in a such a long time we've all been wanting it we've been rooting for it and they they couldn't pull it out
0: yeah I I've seen a lot of people talk about the marine pass and, and call it the pass and I want the mm-hmm. kerfuffle to be how this how this <laughs> game is remembered that would be perfect I hope uh, so. like capital T capital K uh, before <laughs> we move on to the finals matchup because I think that especially when you have a, a heavy favorite going down. It's a lot of times, what did Chicago fail to do rather than what did Connecticut make them do? I do want to talk mm-hmm. about just what the rosters look like on the two teams that have been eliminated because both Chicago and Seattle have a lot of mm-hmm. questions coming into this off season. Sue Bird, yeah. we know is retired. Allie Quigley all but hinted at that, or she definitely hinted at that. Um, and then mm-hmm. Sloot has talked about potentially wanting to just play overseas, especially prioritization is going to be a huge question. Candice, everyone's, I mean, every time she steps to a microphone, people are asking her that question. And if we're tired of hearing about it, I can only imagine how tired she is about answering that question. Uh, but yeah, she's been saying for years now that there are more yesterdays than tomorrow's Stewie's a free agent. So the balance of power can really shift there. Do you think that those two teams that their windows have closed Chicago and Seattle?
2: Oof. I think we've we just been talking a lot about these windows uh, recently, especially in different uh, press conferences and just looking at the makeup of all of the teams that are at the top right now. Um, I think Seattle, it it is seem like the window is closing, um, especially if Stewie doesn't come back. I think the prioritization rule is a huge question mark for – superstars like i think you have to look at if a brianna stewart is saying uh i don't know like i'm not sure i'm not 100 percent. gabby williams said that too for seattle you're not gonna have sue bird you're not gonna have brian january you're not gonna have a lot of these core players is it the same team are we even comparing the same team of, of this year to next year and i feel like with um chicago too you know, we were talking about the Chicago team, their window closing before Candace even got there. Like, I know I was saying that. I was like, can Courtney VanderSloot ever get a championship? Like, she's, they've been close. They were failing. They were closer and then they failed again. They made it all the way. They got their ship. I, I think they're, they're done. Like, I don't, I also don't picture Allie Quigley coming back and Courtney VanderSloot not, like, they are a package deal, as they've they've said before. So I, I think we have to start imagining a league where some of these vets that have been here, that have been trying to get multiple rings, have been trying to be at the top, are maybe not there anymore. And for CP3, that's my question. That's probably my biggest question going into the offseason, is if she's going to come back. She is the master at being vague and you know not exactly telling us her exact plans she did that when she left la too not until the last minute and she has her power to do so um but i i I don't know in the in this last game it wasn't the candace parker that we are used to um she had an incredible season but i think getting into that postseason where the games are the days are long the games are longer Um, is she still have it. I think that's the question she wants to ask herself and make sure she comes with the correct answer that's best for her and her family. And we have to respect it. Every time she gets in front of the mic, like you said, we're going to ask her about it because we're fans of basketball and we love her and we love watching her play. But she's going to make that decision at the end of the day, just like all of these players with the prioritization rule.
1: I I totally agree. I, we hundred percent have to respect it. Emotionally, I'm just not I'm not ready for Candace Parker to retire from the game. Right. But you know what? We're gonna we're gonna watch her flourish no matter what she does. I think it's interesting that you brought up Gabby Williams, um, because you know, in talking about this prioritization, like like you said, the the superstars kind of are looming the largest. But I think Gabby's an interesting player here because mm-hmm. she's someone who is a superstar overseas and you know yeah. has played at that MVP level and gets paid considerably more. Um, you know, I guess my question here is like, do you think the WNBA played itself into a corner here where not only do you have the Stewie's and the Slutes and these superstars who might say, you know what, I'm just gonna play overseas now, but you also have some really key role players like Gabby Williams being like, you know what, I'm I'm not as appreciated over here. As I am overseas
2: definitely I think it's a hard decision for anyone and especially when we're talking about money here like we're in the players pockets we can't say well you're a superstar here we love you we love watching you but we're not gonna pay you the same so please do us a favor and play in this league we can't say that (laughs) like it's their livelihood it's what's making them money and i think gabby williams kept it real she was like if the bag is overseas i'm gonna chase the bag and you can't fault her for that but as fans of the WNBA, as fans of the game it hurts that it came down to that you know like we i would love to watch gabby williams play full court defense nonstop for 10 more seasons in the WNBA. But if that's not where the money is, if that's not where she is appreciated, you can't fault her for that. And I expect there's going to be a ton of players that are making that tough decision. And it is a tough decision because we are seeing what has happened with Brittany Griner overseas. And we have seen the dangers and the unknowns of what playing overseas entails. And so when I've talked to players, they're like, well, I don't know if I'm going to go play overseas. But then you have other people where it's like, I don't know if I'm going to play in the W because I can't make enough money. So it's not just about basketball. It's not just about the X's and O's. These are players that have to make decisions based on their families, based on their livelihood. And it's unfortunate that it has to be that type of decision. I wish it was just about hoop. And it's like, Gabby Williams, like, all right, who's going to play me? That's where I'm going to go, you know, play with. But it's not about that. And this offseason specifically, with this rule coming up in the CBA, there's going to be a lot of players having to make that tough decision. And if the WNBA doesn't budge on that, either – you know a vote or something to adjust this rule or playing paying the players more to play here then we're gonna be watching a league that's missing some key players because of those tough decisions that they had to make and we can't fault them for that
1: it's it's so true and i'm really glad you brought up the because i do think we get you know we get lost in the the basketball of it all because that's what we love and and Mm -hmm. You know, often forget that like these are real people, and yeah. some some real stuff goes down uh, as we've seen. Um, moving ahead to the to the finals here, I mean we got it. We got a tasty finals matchup starting on Sunday. I, I wanna I wanna start before we break down the the series uh, by just talking a little bit about the 26 year old two time MVP Asia Wilson. Uh, oh my what gosh. Is- Right, come on, we gotta we gotta celebrate celebrate that accomplishment. I she's only the the third uh, current active player with two MVPs, Candace Parker and Elena Deladon or the others, all kinds of other accolades. Only just entering her prime, it's ridiculous. What impresses you most about Asia in any capacity, hoops otherwise, just just her as a person?
2: I love her so much. Like, I, I think I tweeted after the MVP announcement and she was my MVP. I I was rooting for her to get this award this year. I love when great things happen to great people. Like, she is just an all-around great person. And something that I was witnessing this season in her was focus. Like, she was so focused. Every time she stepped on the floor... You Just from watching her through a screen, you felt that focus. It was the determination. It was the, this is my time. And it's so wonderful to see a woman, a black woman, just claim that, like claim her saying, this is my time to shine. Ever since she won it in 2020, you know, she has been saying, I'm at the prime I have a franchise behind me. I have a team behind me with other superstars, but I'm the leader and they're looking to me to play well. You've heard her talk after she doesn't have great games, she owns up to it. When she has great games, she's humble and gives her praise to her teammates. You just can't have anyone more deserving of this award. And to win Defensive Player of the Year Award, I think that also goes with that focus. Like I'm going to do anything in my power that my team wins. And they finished the regular season number one. I think they're going to be champions at the end of this. And when she looks back I, and she looks at all these highlights and everything that she did this season, I think she was so dialed in into the mission, into the goal and having a head coach with Becky Hammond. That's just, you know, talking and speaking life into this team they are having fun they're slapping each other with tortillas and dancing in (laughs) locker rooms but they're also so focused when it comes to the basketball part of it and it's been extraordinary to watch she couldn't be more more deserving
1: oh I love it so much I'm getting so excited just listening to you talk
2: (laughs) right Right, me me too
1: too. let's go um (laughs) Oh and I love to the point cuz it is so true like it's such a, a a delicate balance of like just enjoying yourselves and and having fun mm-hmm. and then being so locked in when it matters and you can see it like in their eyes when they're playing it's like Asia Asia is on a mission it's it's awesome um another person on a mission Chelsea Gray just absolutely oh ludicrous what she's doing I, I don't even know like what the question is I guess other than like have you seen anything like what Chelsea just did to the storm?
2: You know, the only time I've seen something like it is Chelsea Gray in high school. (laughs) I grew up in Sacramento and she was going to a school in in St. Mary's, which wasn't too far. And um, the Sacramento high school that was the biggest school, you know, in my city was going against Chelsea Gray. It was at the old Kings Arena, Old Monarchs Arena, which we'll talk about. An Arco Arena, you know, CIF Championship. Chelsea Gray was in her bag. She was doing exactly what she's doing now at like 17 years old. She was so good. She's always been so good, even when she was at Duke. I think a lot of people look at her and are like, "Oh, you know, are are you a point guard? Like you're tall, you know, maybe you're built a little different. Are you like the fastest person on the floor? It doesn't matter. She will eat you alive. And I think it goes with that focus, right? Like she put her team on her back. She said, Hey, everybody jump on I'm about to drill these shots real quick. Don't even worry about it. Don't even ask me to pass it. I'm going to make these, and then we're going to go to the finals. And I just think everybody was like, all right. And they just went with it because that's who Chelsea Gray is. And as a Sparks fan now, I got to witness that up close. You know, she's played in the Drew League here in L.A. She is just that person. She's that player. She has so much fight, so much grit in her But it's also the, you know, what she said after that game, I put the work in. Like, I love when that happens. When players put the work in and they're reaping the benefits, that's how it's supposed to happen. And so what we're witnessing, both from Asia and Chelsea, is like, like I said, it's my time. I was put on this Aces team with my leadership, with my championship experience to carry this team to the finals. Yes, I have an MVP yes I wasn't an all-star what the heck how did that happen she was not an all-star this year but she's carrying this team and it has been so fun to watch
0: I I know I said this I feel a little bit like a buzzkill I said this a few minutes ago but we were not giving Connecticut enough respect and I don't want to get the disrespect narrative coming oh
2: god okay (laughs) let's do it (laughs)
0: <laughs> but we, we need to talk about the other team. This is not the only team with an MVP. I know. I finals. forgot.
2: I really uh, forgot.
0: <laughs> Sorry, oh. Kurt. Sorry, Kurt. Sorry, Kurt. Sorry, Hope you're listening. Uh, how oh, can the shit. Sun, as a team, pull off this upset, though? It, and what what has to happen for for them to win these finals?
2: I think, I think Alyssa Thomas is just going to have to beat everyone up. And then, you know... There's just no one left to play. No, I'm just kidding. But they're just going to have to – it's going to be toughness, right? If the Aces come in after listening to this and they're like, wow, we're the best team ever. We don't have to worry about anything. That's not going to go well. Connecticut has this disrespect narrative. They have this, you know, we're the tougher team. We're the bad boys of the WNBA nobody wants us to win nobody wants us to succeed so they're going to come with already the biggest chip on their shoulder the aces they have to stay in line stay polished but anytime the aces have a dip anytime they start turning the ball over connecticut it's like the beast gets fed they just get bigger and bigger off of turnovers they are you know number 1 in the league of picking you apart getting fast break points disrupting your offense and as long as the aces stay you know stay diligent then i think that they win this but as soon as connecticut can smell the fear (laughs) off the aces they're going to pounce and i think that's a that's a big advantage anytime you slip up connecticut sun are there to capitalize on it but For me, my biggest issue with the Connecticut is consistency. You have one game where you're near perfect. Like, you know, game, what was that, game four? I was like, where has this team been? This team is to be feared that they beat the Chicago Sky so easily. And that's the team that the Aces should fear. But you don't know which team is going to show up. Is that team going to show up? Or is it the team that couldn't make a layup in the ocean? Like which team is going to show up? I think, again, my word, my theme is focus. When they were focused on making shots around the basket, they set a record for making shots around the basket. And that's the same focus that they're going to have to take to take down the near perfect, you know, multi-headed beast of the Aces.
0: And I think that The physicality is is going to be so important in the series, too, because Mm -hmm. we looked at the games that Connecticut was able to pull out over Chicago, and I I don't want to say, you know, it came down to refereeing or anything like that, but when the refs let them play, when the refs Mm -hmm. let them play, that's where... Connecticut can really the Sun can play their style, their brand of basketball, which is just so physical. And the Aces don't necessarily have the the depth to absorb all those hits, especially in the front court. Totally. So it's going to be so many guards versus so many front court, so many bigs, um, and it's mm-hmm. going to be an interesting matchup. And it's it's just seeing which style. But hopefully, because the Aces are in this game, we're gonna force Connecticut to play a, a more fun style of basketball because we deserve that for the finals.
2: We do. You, we totally do.
0: Which which player on Connecticut do you think can really make the push besides Alyssa Thomas who we've seen her put the team on her back before, mm-hmm. right? We've seen her have those ridiculous games where every push shot is going in and and she's got a triple mm-hmm. double. <laughs> uh, but outside of those those big 3, right? Because we finally got to see that big 3 together with with Dewana Bonner and with JJ who can mm. be the the player that can make up some of the ground that they're, they're losing because the the perimeter defense is going to be their problem and not having Jasmine Thomas is a problem yeah how can they overcome that
2: you know I don't know if this is a hot take or not I don't think so but DJ Carrington needs more minutes like immediately She is that microwave player, and it's so obvious because sometimes, you know, Connecticut can get in those ruts when they are, you know, they're holding opponents. It's strong defense, but they can't get a bucket. Dijanae checks into the game. She immediately gets a bucket, and it's not even how she does it. It's not like she's coming in and shooting threes. She knows her minutes are limited, so she's just trying to score a bunch of points. She attacks the defense. She makes them play defense. She's driving to the basket. She's getting layups on these tough defensives. We saw it over and over throughout the season, and we saw it over and over throughout these playoffs. I think that she has to get more minutes in this series. The guard play is going to be extraordinary we know this the post play is going to be amazing with whoever ages is guarding with JJ with bree Jones but putting in dJ Carrington will make the aces guards have to think twice have to be on their toes have to know where she is because she's slashing she's driving and she just needs more minutes I need more of her on the floor I don't even think she got enough minutes in game five they still pulled it out but I, I need her more on the floor I think she makes other people better and she makes the their opponents just be on their toes second guess and be more alert
1: I love it I couldn't agree more I love when she gets the ball on the perimeter and does a little fake and then just her like drives to the hoop in the layups Mm -hmm. it's like signature move it's the best um do you enjoy watching the WNBA we us three obviously sure do Come hang with the Winsider team on Playback. It's a fun new way to watch WNBA games with your friends and make new ones. Our link is getplayback.com backslash room
0: backslash Winsider. I, uh, first of all, Owen, flawless. Um, That 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 was good. I was like...
2: Wait, are you asking me do I like the WBA? I totally do.
0: (laughs) I hope you got that by now, right? Uh, Everyone's on their toes today. This allows us to do a little bit of an awkward transition, though. We wanted to talk about the encore, but we did say we wanted to come back to just why we were so excited to talk to you specifically. And I think that part of what makes us so excited is that there are so few people in this space doing what you're doing, which is combining your writing talent with podcasting, with hosting. Your finger is so clearly to the pulse of where journalism is headed right now. So how have you continued to adapt in an industry that's often so slow in evolving any of its practices?
2: Oh, wow. Thank you. That's so nice. This is an audio only, but I'm smiling like ear to ear. So that was very nice. Um, I have been trying to have my hand in everything like that's exactly where I want to be everywhere I want to try everything I'm don't know if I'm great at everything but I I just want to try it I want to make sure that these WNBA players and these women's basketball players stories are everywhere I don't see them enough and there's so many of them and they're so great as humans and as players that I want to tell them. And they could be told on audio, they can be told on video, written, um, play by play. There's so many ways to tell those stories. And I've been having so much fun carving out all these lanes and trying all these things where um, stories could be told and listened to and, and shared. So that's what I've been trying to do. I'm like a Journalist octopus like putting my hands and my talents everywhere because it's been so so fun and the feedback has been great. I think um, you know the past couple years I've really been trying to follow my passion and my passion is with women's basketball and WNBA and I don't think there's enough of us like there's just this small group of us where we just band together and we just fangirl out on all these players, on the history. And I just want to bring more people into that. And just like on the NBA side, you know, from past work, either at the Ringer or with Spinsters, there's so many other ways that you can connect with players or with the league. And we see that all the time, you know, in NBA with, with LeBron or with other things. Sometimes it's off the court things that connect you and watch them on the court. You may not be a I don't know, Chicago Bulls fan, but you are connected to some of the players and you follow them on Instagram. So you tune into the game. And that's what I want to do for the W as well. If you're not a super fan, it's really hard to be a casual fan in the WNBA because of all the hoops and different things and different ESPN channels that the games are on. You have to really be committed to watching it. Um, but the stories is what really brings everyone together and makes everyone a fan.
1: I mean, what I love about what you just said is how wholeheartedly you celebrate the players and their stories. And so I want to turn it on to you for a second and give you a chance to celebrate yourself because you deserve to, mm. um, what, uh, and you can name as many things as you want here. But you've accomplished so much in the in the basketball space. What are you most proud of professionally in terms of things you've already accomplished?
2: Oh, that's a good question. I think you're right. I, I don't think I think about this enough uh, of what I am most proud of. I think I'm most proud when, you know, I interview a WNBA player, and this happened a couple times this season with the Buckets 5 where we're sitting and we're not talking about basketball at all and they you know the player just says that was so much fun no one asked me that before no one cared to ask me that before and I've always been proud of those moments you know I interviewed Ryan Howard when she was still at Kentucky and it was just a fun piece about why she wears her headband upside down. Like it wasn't (laughs) anything about why she wasn't the player of the year or stats or, and you know, Ryan, she's so quiet and shy. And I asked her about her being in a sorority. And I asked her about her mom being her coach and, you know, how she cheers her on. And I asked her about if she knew that Rondo wore his headband upside down and she was like, no, I was 10 years old. And I was like, Oh my God. But (laughs) all of those things, you know, and, and she told her PR person after, she's like, that was one of my favorite interviews. And that made me so proud because it wasn't about the basketball. You know, we have to make sure that we're sharing the whole story of these players as people. And sometimes we get so lost in that with, You know, true shooting percentage and the analytics of their zone defense versus man. Like, those are fun too. We can nerd out, but we can't forget about the players as people. And whenever a player says, you know, thank you for asking that, or no one's ever cared to ask that before, I'm always proud in those moments.
1: That is so funny you just mentioned that because when Miles and I were prepping for the pod, I literally said, what we're not going to do today is mention Chelsea Gray's true suiting presence. Like there's, <laughs> there's other times for that, but we're not, this is, <laughs> that's amazing. Um, and, and I mean, that's what I love so much about, about the buckets five. I wanted to ask like, cause it's just, it's such a fun show and, and it is so awesome hearing about these stories that people, you know, might not know enough about or have never heard. Um, how, how did this show come about?
2: Yeah, so my good friend Sean Yu, we work together at the Ringer and he works at Wave and the Buckets arm there. And he said that, you know, we're going to be partnering with the WNBA. I have to have Jordan a part of this in some way. And he called me and that's when we just started brainstorming. And it was interesting too with the Buckets community because, you know, they are really heavy in the NBA. But I felt alignment with Wave and Buckets because they're like, we want to introduce people to the WNBA. Like, we want to create new fans for the league. And that's everything I stand for. So I immediately got behind that. And the tone was a little different. You know, I felt like with my written work or with other, you know, interviews like this, I'm talking to people that know the W, like we breathe it but with buckets it's kind of like introducing so some of the things that maybe is common knowledge to us as super fans i want the buckets community to be like oh i didn't even know that or who's that player or wait am i a sky fan now like i want them to have those questions so that they become new fans of the league new things that they're discovering and that was a fun challenge to just be like hey I know this amazing secret. The WNBA is amazing. It's basketball, just like the NBA. Crazy. Come watch it. And that was kind of the tone and also bringing in players who maybe don't have that platform to sit in a really cool studio to talk about their career and talk about their life, how they got to this point. And a lot of the players were just so um honored and had so much fun and was like, "Why isn't there more of this?" I was like, just you wait. I got you. Um, So I always consider myself like an ambassador of the W, ambassador of this league, of this game. And I was able to do that with buckets.
0: That's that's so great. And I feel like we could be here all night just talking about this because I'm also (laughs) just thinking about how my fiance does not love sports or basketball, but Mm -hmm. when she'll sit down to a game, she asks me who's dating each other. (laughs) which oh that player has I know that dog I follow that dog on Instagram and and uh, what's the beef here and that's kind of her entry point um so it's it's great to just have all these different stories and there are just so many ways to to engage the fan base and I think that the W with the access that the players are are willing to share of themselves Mm -hmm. and because the league is still still small it's still a community like you said look at WNBA Twitter which which is kind of its own kind of bubble there.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: it's still growing. So I think that that's such a, a cool uh, angle and approach. And it's just, we need more different avenues of content because yeah, Insider we're talking inside the lines, right? I, I, we're, we're on the court for most of what we're talking about. Um, yeah, And I think that there is a, a place for that. There's a place for the transactions and everything, but
2: totally.
0: I know that I just love and and as media members we get to learn so much about these players and that's why we love doing this work that's why we love being in this space is, is that we just have such a deep profound respect for what they're doing and totally. we've talked about the multiple jobs and we've talked about raising families right and mm-hmm. it's just there's so much that goes into it um so i i just really love and i keep saying that um that uh, mm-hmm. you are bringing some of that to light um, but just a couple of things before we let you go, I want to bring it back to the court for one second. So yeah. at, at risk of jumping too far out, is there a move that you want talking about some of the drama, a move that you want to see happen this off season? Because, and also we came prepared with answers too. So we're not going to leave you on an island here okay. with a hot take. Uh, but is there something as you're watching these, these series and we're, we're getting to see the players play these, these best of threes, best of fives. And you're like, wait. I'm seeing something there that I really think would fit on a different team.
2: Mm. You know, I'm here for chaos. I want everyone, you know, every couple of years, everyone just rotate teams Musical and chairs. just, yeah, just switch it up. That's why I loved athletes unlimited so much. Cause it's just like, yeah, let's just switch it up. Everybody go play with everybody. Um, but I, I think we talked about it a little bit. Bri- Brianna Stewart is who I have my eye on. I, Matt Allen was like starting rumors on Spencer's <laughs> a couple weeks ago about Brianna Stewart going to New York, and I was like, "Ooh, I want this." I know we she flirted with it last year. And she went on different visits, but I'm like, I kind of really like that. It's not too. It's a good fit. I think she would actually fit with that team. They need you know, one more player because every team, like I say, over and over in the WNBA is a super team like you. It's Uh just what it is. So I kind of want her to just switch it up and not be, you know, so super loyal to one franchise for her entire career. That may I can just hear the storm fans crying. Like, I don't know if that's <laughs> what that sound is, but um, yeah, I-, I want that. I know the league would probably go on fire if she left Seattle or, you know, we talked about if she doesn't come back at all, but having her go to New York, I think would just be so fun. Like why not?
0: Yeah. There are only so many players that can make that move and shift the balance of power too. Right. So yeah.
2: like,
0: I'm with you. I'm all for the drama. also being on the New York Liberty beat selfishly. I would absolutely Oh, love that yes, you
2: would love that.
0: <laughs> I was
1: going to say, like, Miles is keeping it professional right now. When, like, <laughs> you know, like, he is beaming that you said this. He loves it.
0: Uh, Owen, all right. Now we're going to have, Jordan, we're going to have you grade our off-season hot takes. Okay. Owen, you can go first.
1: I'll go first. All right. Here's 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 mine. I'm I'm doing a reunion episode here. I I want to see Brittany Sykes back in Atlanta. That, like, that's what I would love to see. I think that uh like the energy that she would bring this team right now, it fits just in line with everything that that they've you know put together here after having that kind of disastrous little little run. Um, they're, they're all about defense. Like Tanisha Wright just comes in and instills this work ethic and this just kind of grinded out defensive mentality. We all know that Brittany Sykes is like number one perimeter defender. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she's great in transition. I think they got a, they got a high draft pick this year. They already have Ryan Howard, you know, on the, on the brink of the playoffs. Like I just would love to see Brittany Sykes go back to Atlanta. That's, that's my move.
2: A plus. Love I mean, it. really, you know, I'm an easy grader, but I love that. I got me excited. If Brittany Sykes went to Atlanta, she wins Defensive Player of the Year.
1: Boom, hands down.
2: I it, totally it, it, agree with that.
1: And a little bonus, I want them to re-sign uh, Maya Caldwell too. But you know, that's yes,
2: great. they need to do that. They need to do that. Atlanta was so fun this year. And they were young and they had a rookie coach. And it was like a new identity that just formed before our eyes. Like, it was so fun to watch. And Ryan Howard did exactly what she was supposed to do. She's a superstar. She did superstar things. She does need some more pieces. My follow-up question to you is, who has to go to make room for Sykes?
1: (sighs) Man, that that is the good question. I love I love me on the spot. One player that that maybe you know I I love this player off the court. So it pains me to do this. I've never loved Monique Billings fit like with the team. I think Mm -hmm. that um, I think they play a little better when they just surround their their stars with shooting and spacing and mo billings does a lot of great stuff but like if there was one salary i'm, I'm like filibustering here as i pull up the atlanta captain um, she made
0: 140 I, last year i got you
1: yeah okay boom see miles always on it that's why i love it. um yeah so she's not if if they if i think that's perfect actually because she made 140 last year if, if they mm-hmm. didn't bring her back she'll get signed somewhere else she's she's a really solid Professional player, Um, but I kind of like them playing Cheyenne Parker at the five, Mm -hmm. and then go like super small shooting, just you know, fly around on defense type of team. So that would be the 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 player they got to lose, I guess.
2: That is the correct answer. And also, as a Sparks fan, I'm (laughs) we're definitely not giving you Brittany Sykes, but we would love Monique Billings. I think she would fit in the Sparks. I don't even know if we have a system. We are completely on fire right now, but um <laughs> she would look great in back in LA because she went to UCLA. So come on back, Money Billings. It's
0: perfect. a good fit. Great. That's a good fit.
2: Great trade.
0: All right. Uh-oh. Now now the bar was set super high. Maybe I should have gone first. <laughs> uh, a deal that I would like to see happen. And I think it's just because we've been watching the we've been talking about this this finals and looking at what the deficiencies might be but there was so much talk about the sun blowing it up
2: but mm-hmm. that
0: becomes less and less true as they advance further and further because winning heals any animosity that might be there if you make the layups when it matters nobody's getting fired
2: mm-hmm. so
0: i like the idea of them adding a piece in the off season, and i would love to see alicia clark go to connecticut because they just don't have the perimeter defense there that they lost last year with Brianne January. And then obviously this year with, with JT being out, but Courtney was good for them. Alicia brings some perimeter shooting too, which is something Mm -hmm. that they need. She'll be another year removed from her injury. Mm -hmm. Uh, And just the physicality that just feels like what Kurt Miller wants from his team at all times. And she's also just a great human being, which is also pretty high up on their list of priorities. Um, So I'd love to see AC go up to Connecticut.
2: Okay. I would also give this an A. I like this. I like this for multiple reasons. One, they need shooting. I feel like Heidemann has really stepped into that role. And we kind of just, you know, as fans are watching, like, wait, who had that role before? Oh, nobody did. Like she really created it herself and she's doing wonderful. But um, having that veteran in Alicia Clark would be super helpful. She brings a defense. Key part of what you said is she will be another year removed from injury because I feel like this season she may have been 100%, but it wasn't like Alicia Clark that we know, right? Am I is that wild to say, or is that true? No, oh, I, I
0: saw okay. on. And we weren't okay. seeing her in the post backing down guards, which right. is my favorite thing to see.
2: Oh, love that. Yeah. And she could, oh, can you imagine that play call, bring out JJ top of the key? And she's like, give it to me. I got a tiny on me. And clear then out. she, <laughs> clear <laughs> out. Oh, I would pay money to just watch that. So yes, I love this. This is great.
0: I love this. This is great grading. Um, (laughs) I I appreciate the curve. And before, before we let you go, although you did just say my LA sparks, I did want to talk about your, your Monarchs fandom. Mm. What was, can you share your extremely cool, extremely unique experience that you had with a Monarchs legend?
2: Okay. Yes. So I am from Sacramento. I, I, grew up a monarchs fan i still have my tisha pinachero jersey that i bought at the team store when i was 10 i think still fits love it the letters are (laughs) kind of starting to peel off but it's vintage (laughs) it's fine um so my fiance knows how much tisha is my favorite player my fandom i was a point guard i idolized tisha one of the best no the best passer in the history of the WNBA so on the evening that I was getting proposed to I didn't know exactly what was happening but we were at a fancy dinner and my fiance pulls out a cameo of Tisha Pinachero telling me how proud she is of me and I start crying. I thought this was the surprise. I didn't even think that I was getting proposed to after this because my fiance disguised it as like a work appreciation dinner. And I thought that was a surprise. Tisha was on Cameo. She's telling me how proud she is of me. And I'm just crying. And then he proposes. I say, yes, it's wonderful. We're getting married in a couple weeks. But I go to the WNBA draft and I see Tisha at the hotel I panic, I sweat, I go the other way. I'm like, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. This is my idol, but I'm gonna see her again later and then I'm gonna tell her about the proposal story. It's fine. So I ditched that one, (laughs) dodge her. Then later I see her again. I interview her on the orange carpet. I was having like the extreme fangirl moment. And then I tell her the proposal story. She gives me the biggest hug. She's like, you're the best. Now we're like friends. I text her. We're going to work together with her players and the Buckets 5. She's the coolest. And it's just a full circle moment.
0: That's, that's incredible. And it just, <laughs> yeah, full circle because it comes back to just the connections that you've built. And it's a two-way street. It's not just you sharing the stories, but the players and your idols have become part of your life as well um and before we before we get out of here i did want to share a, a not as cool but a proposal <laughs> story that i had um because liberty media day this year we come back from the break and i got engaged in the off season as well uh um, nice
2: congrats
0: thank you and congrats to you i didn't want to cut you off but congrats to you You thank said you. a few weeks from thank now, you so much um for pretty stressing <laughs> um i am but one of, one of my first questions was to Michaela Onionwede. And before she answered, she said, first of all, congratulations, Miles, on your engagement. And she's up there with Dee Dee and Sammy. And they, they just all kind of explode. And it was a rare moment that I was the focus of what was going on in that room. And it was Aww. just really, really heart, like heartwarming and sweet for me. Um, so I just love how intertwined the W has become in both of our lives. Mm -hmm. so it's just very very amazing and and just why we well not why we do it but it's a nice little perk it totally
2: is uh,
1: has a podcast ever ended on a more wholesome note this is (laughs) is, i love it well jordan i mean we appreciate you taking the time so much this was this was so fun um where can we where could people find your work anything you want to plug any last notes like floor is yours
2: Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. These playoffs have been amazing. I can't wait for game one. It's going to be so much fun. I actually can't wait. I feel like there should be a countdown somewhere in my house, but you can find me on Instagram at Jordan Liggins or on Twitter at underscore Jordan Liggins. And you could subscribe to the buckets YouTube to watch all of the buckets five interviews and videos it's a blast and some of your favorite players are on it and you can get to know them more
0: thanks so much jordan this is a lot of fun
2: yay thank you talk soon